أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد we continue where we left off describing the fifth year of the Mubarak Hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Uh, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam married Sayyidah Umm al-Mu'mineen Juwayriya uh, uh, radiallahu ta'ala anha and it is also in this year that the Munafiqeen spread their slander against Sayyidah Aisha this episode was known as the episode of Ifk uh, in an attempt to assail her chastity and honor they spread an evil rumor briefly the incident happened as follows Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha uh, accompanied Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam on one of his campaigns. On the return journey, the army encamped at a certain place. Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha went into the wild to answer the call of nature. On her way, the necklace broken was lost, but she only realized when she had returned to her hodaj. The hodaj is a, a, um, a kind of like a boxed-in or tented uh, room that's on top of a camel that noble women used to ride in uh, in the old days. She immediately uh, went back into the wild uh, in search of her necklace. Uh, she spent quite a while searching for the lost necklace. By the time she had returned to the camp, the army had departed. She was very light in weight, hence the bearers of her hodaj did not realize that it was empty when they uh, foisted it back up onto the camel. She sat down covering herself and fell asleep, knowing that when her absence was discovered, they will return for her. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, had appointed Sayyidina Safwan عنه, uh, to trail behind the army. It was his duty to retrieve any items that may have been left behind or dropped by any members of the party moving ahead. When he had arrived at the place where the army had halted uh, and saw Sayyidina Aisha عنها, alone in the wilderness, he loudly exclaimed in astonishment, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. To Allah do we belong and to Him shall we return. The sound of His voice woke her from her sleep. When she saw Sayyidina Safwan ta'ala anhu, she immediately concealed her face because of the law of parda which had already been revealed, uh, which was a requirement that the Ummahatul Mu'mineen uh, be screened from the, uh, the general public. Sayyidina Safwan ta'ala anhu, uh, ex- uh, observing the greatest degree of respect and honor for her, uh, got off of his camel, he made the camel sit, and then had Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha mount the camel, uh, and thus they continued the journey with Sayyidina Safwan radiallahu ta'ala anhu, leading the camel on foot. According to the narration of Bukhari, which is in fact narrated by Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, not a word of conversation passed between them. Before midday of the same day, Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha reached the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the entire unadulterated episode which had transpired. However, the hypocrites taking advantage of this event plotted to accuse Sayyidah Aisha anha of having had an affair with Sayyidina Safwan and three simple Sahaba anhum, whose sincerity and integrity are unquestionable were also unwittingly embroiled in this plot of the Munafiqeen. Two of them were males, Sayyidina Mistah and Sayyidina Hassan bin Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, and one female Sayyidina Hamnat ibn Jahsh radiallahu ta'ala anha. Uh, 
Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha was blissfully unaware of the slanderous rumors which were floating around. However, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, having heard the rumor, was overcome with grief. He consulted several companions on the issue. Every one of them emphatically proclaimed her innocence and chastity. Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, uh, her servant girl Barira radiallahu ta'ala anha, vehemently vouched for her honor and innocence. In spite of these assurances, the rumor uh, had been given such prominence that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was uh, affected by the lingering doubts. On the other side, Sayyidina Aisha was being consumed by grief and sadness. She could not fathom the reason that the Messenger of Allah وسلم's disposition had become colder toward her. The former love seemed to have disappeared. During this time, once she went out to answer the call of nature, she was accompanied by her friend who was also the mother of the aforementioned Mistah. Along the way, uh, 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 Sayyidina Aisha was informed of the rumor by her friend. <coughs> Alhamdulillah. She also apprised her of the scandal which was raging uh, uh, in regard to this throughout Medina. The shocking revelation had a disastrous effect on Sayyidah Aisha. Her already weakened body further suffered. She was overtaken by a severe fever. She came home and wept uncontrollably. When Sayyidina Rasulullah came home, she requested permission to go to her parents' home and he gave her consent. When Sayyidina Aisha met her mother, she cried profusely. Her mother tried to console her, but to no avail. She was heartbroken and distressed. At her mother's home, she cried and sobbed for a day and two nights without stop. The Messenger of Allah visited her and said, O Aisha, if you are chaste, most assuredly Allah Most High will exculpate you. And if you have erred, then repent and Allah will forgive you. Sayyidina Aisha turning to her father, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, uh, said, Father, answer on my behalf. He replied, What do I know? What can I say? Sayyidina Aisha then turned to her mother with the same request. She too replied similarly. Thereupon, Sayyidina Aisha had said, I was a young girl who had not yet learnt the Quran properly. Since the slander regarding me has settled in your hearts, you will not even believe me even if I proclaim my innocence. Now I can say nothing other than what Sayyidina Yusuf salam's father said, Sabrun Jamil, Wallahul Musta'anu ala ma yasifun. That 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 I have nothing left except for to bear with a patience that allows no complaining. And Allah Ta'ala is the one whose help is sought uh, regarding uh, the fabrications of the people. On account of sorrow, grief, and anger, she was unable to remember Sayyidina Ya'qub's name. Therefore, she said, the father of Yusuf salam. After making this brave stand, her tears dried up. Uh, this is important because many people, due to the their ghayrah for the family of the Prophet wasallam, they even find the mention of this story uh, disturbing or difficult to mention or difficult to hear it's definitely for me i feel i feel difficulty even uh, re- repeating the accusations that have come and gone and been proven wrong 1400 years ago uh, because nobody wishes to question the honor of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam or say the aisha radiallahu anha who was uh, he, the beloved one of the Prophet ﷺ and so innocent. You can see that she was she was just a girl at the time. And people, you know, heap their accusations on her 
um, very, very viciously and with very little concern for what effect it would have on her. And lest we think that these things are not relevant, they're very relevant. We live in the time of all this Me Too and uh, uh, all of these other movements, which, you know, uh, although I, I mean, I don't, ex I don't agree with every aspect of them. And I think that a lot of it is just going to end up being a kind of a, a, a violent storm that brings uh, little uh, conclusion or, or help neither to uh, the victims nor to, uh, you know, toward bringing perpetrators to justice. But look at the, you know, look at the, uh, the same tactic that they used against the family of the Prophet ﷺ. That say the Aisha ta'ala anha, basically just the fact that she was a woman was used as a, uh, as a bludgeon against the Prophet ﷺ. And people had in their minds that, oh, you know, she must be guilty of whatever people accuse her of. Uh, and that's why our deen has such... Uh, such strong rules on both sides that one should neither be allowed leeway in order to accuse another of zina or sexual impropriety, uh, nor is one allowed leeway to allow themselves to be subjected to it. And now I understand that, um, you know, there are some cases in which uh, a person uh, is subjected to sexual violence um, by circumstances that are completely forced on them and by no fault of their own. But there are a lot of, you know, between what is completely right and what is completely wrong, there's a lot of gray area in the middle. And the gray area is where most of life happens. And so you see that uh, the dean, you know, rightly gives guidance for, for uh, you know, what a person should do in order to save themselves from what's in the gray area. At any rate, here is Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, who was a... Um, she was, a, I mean, at this time, she was just an innocent girl. Uh, she was not, you know, she, she, she was not anything other than that. I mean, imagine that she's just forgetful and she forgot her, uh, her, uh, her necklace in the woods. And now all of these hypocrites are heaping all of these accusations on her. And if you think about it, you know, um, the fact that, that, that she had to make the stand on her own, it in and of itself is a sign of her rank in this ummah. Let's say that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, the fadail of which, uh, you know, it's a completely separate volume and it should be, it should be said, it should be spoken about. Um, let's say that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, if you look at the, 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 the horrible nature of this, of this uh, incident, that she, she loved her husband and he was the messenger of Allah and she used to memorize the Quran from him and she, he used to teach her and she used to serve Islam through serving her husband and also by teaching the other women of Medina Munawwara what she learned from the Prophet ﷺ because of her superior intellect. If you look at the, the answers she gives even at the young age that she was at at this time, you can see that she has a superior intellect and you can see the signs of that intellect which will go on to become one of the uh, foundational uh, legal minds uh, for the the basis of the codification of the sharia later on after the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam passes on um, but you know think about her having to go through all of this at this young age uh, and in the context of the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that indeed the 
those who are most severe in their tribulations are the prophets والسلام, then those who are closest to them then those who are closest to to them that she had to go through all of this uh, uh, you know this difficulty and Allah Ta'ala brought great khair from it he brought great good from it when the inmates of the house were still around the most noble prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was uh, then uh, brought the wahi, he was brought the revelation. Allah Most High is independent of all things and everything happens according to his wisdom. Hence a full month had passed without the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam receiving any dire- divine directive in this matter. Now the beads of perspiration, a sign of the progression of revelation were forming on his Mubarak forehead. Sayyidina Jibreel Alayhi Salam appeared with 18 ayat of Surah An-Nur uh, in which Sayyidina Aisha عنها, innocence, purity, and chastity were emphatically asserted. Upon the cessation of revelation, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, smiled and informed Sayyidina Aisha of her innocence, uh, which was announced by Allah Most High. Her joy knew no bound, and in a state of ecstatic elation, she expressed her gratitude to Allah Most High. Meanwhile, uh, the most noble Prophet ﷺ took his pulpit in his masjid and after uh, uh, giving a, a lecture to the companions, he recited the verses which were revealed to proclaim the innocence of Sayyidah Aisha and the Sharia's law of punishment for slanderers of chaste women was also announced. Thus the slanderers were each flogged 80 lashes. And this is uh, uh, one of the great and mighty uh, 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 fortifications of our holy and sacred sharia that we don't have uh, this kind of uh, schizophrenic attitude toward sexuality that seems to be the um, seems to seems to be the norm in western society that on one side there is wanton uh, uh, and gratuitous uh, hyper uh, over sexualization of everything particularly using the female form in, in order to sell everything. Um, anyone who's grown up over here knows that in order to get the humor that people, you know, that's normal for people over here in this country, you have to take every expression and every wording and every situation and assume the worst, mostly uh, in the sexual context. Otherwise, you're not going to get any of the jokes. So many of the jokes of the people over here, people overseas just don't get it because their mind doesn't think that way. Um, so you have that on one side, and on the flip side, you have a, a hypersensitivity to any sort of um, transgression of what are essentially arbitrary sexual norms um, uh, to the point where, uh, you know, uh, two people can enter into some sort of consensual relationship, but because there's a power differential between the two of them, that still can be classified as abuse, which I co- completely get that there are power differentials in relationships. But the problem is that um, in such a case, then there are very few relationships that are not abuse or not prone or open to abuse, which makes everything in life extremely problematic. Um, and it's a, a very impractical system and it's a very arbitrary system. So look at look at the, uh, the, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that people have their own, every human being is different. They have their own personal lives. And we don't, uh, you know, we don't scrutinize other people's uh, most personal and private matters. 
Um, and the Sharia is uh, the corpus of law that essentially introduces to the world the concept of the right to privacy. Whereas uh, other legal systems, including that, that in the West, you know, they have the idea of, well, if you're not hiding anything, um, then there's, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of uh, in terms of the state or uh, the public's intrusion into your own private space. The idea is whatever happens inside of your, you know, inside of your private moments, um, those things are uh, until and unless uh, some sort of super egregious and shameless uh, 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 something happens in which a person rapes another person uh, or a person commits an act of violence against another person or, uh, you know, something happens that, 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 that you know, breaches certain uh, objective uh, standards. Other than that, you know, people's private business is their private business. If it's good, then they should thank Allah. And if it's bad, then they should repent and rectify it. But under no circumstances are they to uh, uh, divulge it to the public, nor is the public supposed to ask. All the way to the point where if two people commit zina, the optimum course of action, according to most of the fuqaha, is for them just to quietly repent and not, not uh, 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 confess to their sins in front of a judge. And if two people commit zina and one of them admits to it and the other one doesn't, then the one that admits to it will receive the lashes of zina, and the one who doesn't didn't doesn't admit to it. Uh, that person will not uh, will not receive those lashes. And the person who admits to it, if they give the name of the person that they committed zina with, and that person doesn't want to be known for that uh, for that act, um, then unless they can bring four witnesses, they have the added punishment of qadaf, which is of the false accusation of other people with zina. To my knowledge, I don't know of anybody in the entire history of Islam that could meet the uh, evidentiary standards of having four uh, uh, witnesses witness the act of intercourse like the thread goes through the eye of the needle, which is what's needed, you know, what's needed to uh, condemn a person to uh, zina without them admitting it themselves in some way, shape or form. So uh, uh, the point is, is that the Sharia, uh, there's a great mercy in it that it covers these things and this uh, shara of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of not accusing others of, 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 of zina or basically uh, you know, using, taunting them with regards to their personal life, even matters that are dubious in their personal life, there's a great mercy in it because we can all now just move on, just get over it and move on. Uh, that if someone did something and it requires the uh, the rectification of, of of the law or some legal remedy remedy that is then carried out by a judge and the general public need not speculate about people's uh, personal life or worry about personal life uh, the personal lives of people everyone has their own uh, you know their own things in their life and we don't need people to like you know go and uh, uh, webcast what's you know the skeletons in everybody's closet especially with regards to these matters and so Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha, by her having gone through this difficulty, uh, uh, she herself then uh, is the Mubarak occasion of uh, Allah Ta'ala revealing uh, uh, the, the, the sacred law with regards to these things which undoubtedly have helped a number of people, helped millions of people uh, uh, over the centuries uh, to not be subjected to... Uh, 
taunts and to not be subjected to speculations with regards to their personal life and not be allowed to be the object of other people's ridicule or per political vective with regards to speculation about their, their, their personal life and to have legal cover and legal recourse against somebody who uh, uh, spuriously does that. And uh, I enjoin myself and my uh, brothers and sisters not to... Uh, not to delve into people's personal lives, rather leave legal issues to their authorities and uh, uh, vouchsafe, uh, you know, the secrets that people have to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until and unless uh, there is something uh, very severe that breaches uh, certain objective standards uh, with regards to violence and things like that. So, uh, uh, the most noble Prophet sallallahu took the member in the masjid and after uh, uh, a lecture that he gave to the companions, he recited the verses which were revealed to him to proclaim Sayyidah Aisha's innocence, radiallahu anha, and the Sharia's law of, puni the, of, of the punishment for slanderers of chaste women was announced. Thus the slanderers were flogged 80 lashes each. Uh, and that is the, 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 the Sharia mandated punishment for anybody who f accuses uh, another of, of basically of committing zina, um, whether it's a man or a woman. Uh, any accusation of zina that is not accompanied either by uh, uh, a, uh, an admission from that side or by four witnesses that witness the uh, act, like the thread, uh, uh, the thread going through the eye of the needle or uh, a husband's own imprecation of his wife, uh, other than uh, uh, any, of those, uh, uh, any of those situations. Um, anyone who commits and who accuses anyone else of zina uh, is is subjected to this this punishment uh, under the purview of a, a, a sovereign government and a judge, and uh, this is a great mercy for mankind, and this is also has to do with your tasawwuf as well. One of the usul and one of the foundational principles of tasawwuf is min husn Islam imri'in tarkuhu This is a good hadith to to memorize and it's a good hadith to mention to one another Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qirawani Sahib al-Risala the great Maliki Faqih and Muhaddith he mentions in his opinion that uh, the wisdom of Islam uh, can be summarized by four hadiths that are like reins uh, 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 that are like reins that tie up the wisdom of Islam and one of those four hadiths he mentions was Min husn Islam imri'in tarkuhu ma la ya'nihi from the beauty of the Islam of a person is they're leaving those things that don't have any importance or relevance to them. Uh, so don't speculate about people's lives. Don't worry about people's lives. If it's good, if it's bad, if it's ugly, if it's strange, whatever it is, whatever happens in people's bedrooms, uh, they close their doors when those things happen for a reason. It's not your business to uh, get involved in it or speculate about it or give your opinion about it or whatnot. Uh, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who himself is a sattar, the one who covers over the faults of the creation. May he also uh, cover our faults as well, each of us as individuals. And the person who's ashamed of whatever sin they do behind closed doors, rather than being a bad person, the fact that they have their shame is a sign of their iman. And uh, whoever uh, doesn't go out and openly uh, declare and pro proclaim their, their, their uh, fawahish and their indecencies, uh, like is uh, the norm uh, in the time and the place that we live in. Uh, that person, Allah Ta'ala, because of that shame, Allah will forgive them. Uh, so don't try to pull the sitter from uh, the cover and the hijab from other people, lest Allah pull it from, from you and humiliate you as well. Allah Ta'ala protect us from such a scary uh, possibility. 
Hazrat Sheikh continues, he says that the battle of the Khandaq of the trench also took place in this fifth year. The Sahaba, uh, as well as the most noble Prophet ﷺ, had themselves dug the trench. It is for this reason it is called the Battle of the Trench. The huge trench was dug on the advice of Sayyidina Salman al-Farisi The famous episode of Sayyidina Jabir's invitation happened during the time the trench was being dug. Uh, while digging, Sayyidina Jabir anhu noticed that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ had a stone tied to his stomach as did the rest of those who were digging the trench, because it was a, something done on emergency. And uh, Medina Munawwara, they were in short supply of food anyway. The fact that all of them had to leave their uh, agricultural uh, work and start digging the trench in emergency mode meant that there was nothing to eat. He had hastened to his house and instructed his wife to prepare whatever food there was. He explained to her the dire straits of the Messenger of Allah wasallam's hunger. A goat which they owned was slaughtered and some dough was kneaded. Sayyidina Jabir anhu then invited the most noble Prophet for a meal, adding that one or two companions could also come along. The Messenger of Allah inquired about the quantity of food. When he was told how much food there was, he commented that that was, that was a, a, a great amount. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, then addressing all of the diggers in the trench said, Jabir had invited you all, let's go. He instructed Sayyidina Jabir not to remove the pot from the stove until he had arrived, وسلم, and that the bread should not be baked until he has arrived. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, then set off with all of the Sahaba عنهم, who were digging the trench to Sayyidina Jabir's home. Meanwhile, Sayyidina Jabir ran home in anxiety. He told his wife that the most noble Prophet ﷺ was bringing along the entire army to eat. Full of concern, she said, I will be put to shame in front of all. The food is very little. She asked, did he inquire about the quantity of food when Sayyidina Jabir told her that he did in uh, that the most noble Prophet ﷺ was apprised of the quantity of food? She felt relieved and felt confident. Uh, soon thereafter, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, arrived at the home of Sayyidina Jabir anhu. He blew on the food and on the dough. A short while later, the food was ready to be served. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, advised them to eat at leisure. A thousand guests ate and there still remained food. This is indeed a mu'jiza or a miracle of the Messenger of Allah وسلم. Uh, the the story uh, in slightly more detail was that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, told them, those who are preparing the meal, to uh, uh, not look at the the food, rather to have the pot covered and just keep pouring out food from it. Uh, and to not look at the bread, but just have the, the basket where the bread was covered and slip their hand in and pull, keep pulling out bread. And uh, uh, then the army was invited in 10 at a time. Each of them ate their fill and then the next 10 would go and then the next 10 would go. Um, and all of them ate their fill and the, the pots and the baskets were still full. Uh, and then the people of the house ate their fill and then the pots and the baskets were still full and then they uh, distributed the rest of the uh, the rest of the food to the neighbors all of the neighbors on all sides uh, of the house and there are many similar mu'jizat of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam with regards to a miraculous uh, increase in food and this is the help of allah ta'ala and the barakah that comes when it's most needed that uh, uh, literally the 
largest or one of the largest armies that the Arabian Peninsula had ever seen uh, had gathered together 10,000 uh, strong in order to siege Medina Munawwara. Amongst them were uh, basically ravagers. They were just uh, Bedouins who were just basically there to uh, loot and pillage uh, uh, the city uh, in the case of victory. And uh, uh, the trench held them off. And it's very beautiful how uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ was aided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the food. He was aided with the wind, that the, 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 the cold and biting uh, dry desert uh, wind uh, had uh, completely at some point thrown the mushrikeen's tents into chaos. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, was was aided by uh, one of the chieftains of the Ahzab of the Confederate army that was sieging Medina that he had quietly slipped into the Muslim camp and presented his Islam to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and asked what service could he be of. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, told him to uh, uh, go back to the camp of the Mushrikeen um, and uh, the Banu Quraida, which was a tribe of uh, Jews that was allied with the Prophet وسلم, they had forsaken in the middle of battle, they had forsaken their uh, their alliance with the Prophet وسلم, uh, and failed to appear in the defense of uh, their neighbors in Medina Munawwara, rather they stayed neutral and allowed the Ahzab to siege Medina Munawwara. So uh, this chieftain went to went to uh, Abu Sufyan who was the commander of the confederated army and said that, uh, you know, I suspect that the, the Jews of Medina are going to repair their relations with uh, the, the, the Muslims. So you should ask them uh, uh, for, uh, you should ask them for uh, some sort of a, um, some sort of a guarantee that they give like the sons of their noblemen to, uh, to you as a guarantee that they're not going to betray you. And uh, uh, then he went to the, the Jews of Banu Quraida also and uh, told them that I suspect treachery from the, uh, from the Confederates. They're going to ask you for something for your sons and they're going to give them up to the Muslims and just uh, uh, sell you out. And uh, um, basically it broke, their, it broke their confederation into pieces. And uh, it became so bad that at some point... Uh, um, uh, Sayyidina Hudhaifat ibn al-Yaman, who the Messenger of Allah وسلم, sent in this completely cold and completely uh, hungry state to go and do reconnaissance on the camp of the mushrikeen. Um, he, said that, he said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, asked for a volunteer and everybody was so spent, they were, it was difficult for them to volunteer for this mission. And uh, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, says, isn't Hudhaifah here? And he said, yes, Ya Rasulullah. He says, why don't you go? He said that once the Messenger of Allah gave me the order to go, he said, I no, I no longer felt uh, cold. He said that I felt uh, I felt uh, uh, no longer weak and I no longer felt cold. He said by the time he had gotten to the, the camp of the, the Confederates, uh, he just saw Abu Sufyan uh, in a rage and in a fury uh, that he thought that the uh, Jews of Banu Quraida were, uh, were going to betray him. And so he angrily said, uh, I'm, I'm out of here. You guys can keep the siege if you want to. And uh, he just uh, broke camp loaded up his stuff and was basically storming back to Makkah Mukarramah, which is uh, incredibly, uh, uh, incredibly harmful for morale for the, for the army to see their leader essentially um, abandon camp 
uh, uh, having been broken in his morale uh, personally. And this is all the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Islam, so many points Allah ta'ala gave his help. Islam was completely weak in the world of asbab. They could have overrun everything. But when the help of Allah Ta'ala comes, Allah Ta'ala sends it uh, and He ex- He gives like the ex- expression in the Quran, lam taroha, by through His armies, by His soldiers that, that, that you're not able to see. Uh, meaning Allah Ta'ala makes all of these things come together. And um, this is all the signs of the uh, providential and miraculous uh, uh, empowerment that Allah gave to uh, the noble city of Medina and its noble people, the companions of the Messenger of Allah and its most noble inhabitant, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and whoever, uh, uh, whoever takes his oath of allegiance with that Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that person is in a Mubarak silsila and that person, whoever takes their oath of allegiance with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has taken hold of the Urwatul Wufqa Lanfisama laha of the, 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 the most uh, the most firm uh, 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 of of of, uh, uh, of uh, handholds uh, that one that which will never that one which will never break. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give us tawfiq to be from amongst them. That we should also eat from the barakat of uh, uh, Allah Taala's special inayah with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That we should also make struggle and sacrifice in order to uh, in order to. Uh, advance the cause of this deen uh, for which the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to wake in, in the morning and sleep at night and uh, for which he used to cry and weep and for which his happiness and for his, which his anger and for which his uh, 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 patience was. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.